0: Welcome back to just one question. And it's always a treat on just one question. When I get to talk to a fellow tiller in the vineyards (laughs) that that I till in and, (laughs) and Janser is one of those fellow tillers. She is a nonfiction coach. Um, and so she, like I helps people write books, I'm assuming. And I guess that's what that means. And she's the author of two very smart books on writing and and reading, the writer's process, and writing to be understood. So, and thank you very much for being on the show. And uh, uh, first of all, just tell us in twenty seconds how are you doing?
1: I am doing fine, thank you. It's a right. it's a sunny day. We survived uh, floods and floods here in the Santa Cruz Mountains, and I'm so enjoying the sun, loving it, feeling very right. good.
0: Back to the way it should be in California, right? Exactly. It's, yeah, <laughs> sunshine and blue sky all the time. Well, wonderful. So I'm glad you're uh, you haven't been flooded out and uh, uh, you're back into dry territory. Um, what are you excited about these days?
1: So I am excited always, Nick. I'm always yeah. excited about helping people share their ideas and connect with people through writing whether that's in the, the large form like a book or maybe a blog post or series or even the micro form like an email message that's important um you know i writing is this fundamentally a form of human communication which is a human connection as you know and you you talk about um so i'm always excited about making that better um and in most of my work as a nonfiction coach and as a writer and as an author, I'm really focused on that human part of that connection. Right. Um, So we could talk about chat GPT and stuff, but I want to talk about the human things um, because (laughs) yes, please. Thank heavens. Um, I I mentioned it, which is pretty much the requirement these days, anything Mm -hmm. about writing, you have to mention it once. Um, But (laughs) because I think to be effective as writers, we really have to understand ourselves, and we have to understand uh, the people that we're writing for. Um, I think the most underrated writing skill is empathy. You know that the the the, chat, mm. the the software can help you clean up your grammar. You know, editors can help you tighten the prose, um, but the empathy, the understanding who your author is and who your who your reader is, and how you. Are hoping to serve them is something that is fundamentally you. That's the human part of the human connection. Mm -hmm. Um, I speak often about the idea of servant authorship, Mm -hmm. which is a a term that I, you know, brazenly made up, riffing off of the uh, servant leadership idea. Which seems, you know, I would really like to work if I were back in the corporate world for someone who practices servant leadership. So if I'm picking up a book, I really want to read by an author who's practicing servant authorship, who's thinking about what I as the reader need and how they're going to best fit that need. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you know, it's very aligned with, you know, you in your book, can you hear me talk about all of the subconscious parts of communication, mm-hmm. um, which so much happens, you know, we're we're getting a smidge of it here with video, but it's not the same as if we were in the same room, it would be different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so writing is even less, you know, writing is just, you know, a very two-dimensional black and white words on the page or bits on the screen. Um, But I do think that we can, we have to work harder to tap into those innate human communication skills and to make them part of our writing process. Um, And when we do that, we can have more impact with our words. We can make more genuine connections uh, or, you know, connections of a kind where I, you know, a thought that I have made has resonated in your head in a way and made you look at the world. You know, there's, there's studies that show when people tell stories or listen to stories, their brains synchronize. And I just love that idea that writing is somehow maybe just doing a little time-distance synchronization, the way that when I listen to music by Mozart, I'm getting some little distant, time-distance synchronization with what he was hearing at that point, right? Writing can do some of that, which is just magical. Um, but but only if we get out of our way. <laughs> and, and you know, as writers, we, we tend to do a lot of uh, things We focus too much on ourselves and what we want to say, and who we're trying to impress, and what does you know what does the acquiring editor need? Um, Mm -hmm. Right? Um, One thing I've seen writers do that I don't think, or I certainly hope, doesn't happen to speakers, is um, write for the wrong audience. Mm -hmm. You know, Uh, they you know if you're you're pitching a traditional book deal, you might be more focused on what the agent wants to hear than maybe what the reader wants, or um, uh, it, it would be the equivalent of, of showing up in, in a room and giving a speech and realizing that you didn't know you're in the wrong room, mm-hmm. but just not being able to read the room. Um, I We often write for the people that are around us. <laughs> we write for our peers, even if they're not our readers. Mm-hmm. Um I worked with a woman once who was in who was new to the HR profession, come from another field, mm-hmm. might have been marketing. So one of her first tasks was to write a bunch of job descriptions for some openings to really try to attract people to apply to this organization. And the openings were for people at all levels. I mean, cafeteria workers and janitorial. Mm-hmm. And she showed me what she'd written, and it was just filled with HR speak.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I thought, hmm, that's really interesting. So... Why did she do that? She did that because she's human. She's surrounded by these people. Language is one way that we show our sense of belonging to a group. She was new to the group. So she wanted everyone to know, look, I've mastered this terminology. I am. I belong mm-hmm. in one of you, right? Mm-hmm. She lost sight of who the audience was. She lost sight of that audience. So if you practice servant authorship, if you think, I'm applying for this job in the cafeteria, And maybe even English, you know, if I struggled reading through this stuff, I'm guessing that the average person applying for the cafeteria worker job would share my struggle and Mm -hmm. perhaps worse if if English wasn't their first language or they weren't as proficient in it. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, servant authorship, anything you do, anything you sit down to write, think about who, who's sitting there in the audience, you know, try to picture them, Mm -hmm. try to think about who that is. And then see if you can tap into your sort of innate communication skills for how you might reach that person, adjusting your language, adjusting your approach, all of that based on that.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love the idea of empathy and the and the uh, uh, concept of servant uh, servant authorship because uh, the idea that uh, um, that you can write for. Um, anybody um, is the sort of first thing that occurs to people who want to write a book is, and, and the, and you'll say, so who is this book for? And they'll say, well, it's for my mother and for every other human being on the planet. And at that point, I'm sure uh, like me, your heart sinks and you think, okay, we have some work to do here. We have to exactly. <laughs> we have to narrow that down just a tad because uh, no book is for everybody. Uh, and y- you, uh, you need to understand much, much more, uh, um, yeah. Clearly and in a much more detailed way, who who your audience might be, um, but um, uh, so I can't resist one follow up question, um, if that's all right. Uh, yeah, about, absolutely. Uh, if if we're being empathetic and, and we're being in service to our readers, and those seem like good things, um, how have our readers changed in the last few years, and how worried do we need to be about? Things like information overload that we were talking about before I pressed record, and and that kind of thing. Do we do we need to think about our reader as somebody fundamentally different? Um, and I'll just add one more thing. One trend right now in the book in the nonfiction world, as I'm sure you've seen as I have, is to write shorter books—fifty um, yep. thousand instead of sixty-five thousand words, or even yep. forty thousand words—and uh, and. and Uh, I'm fine with shorter books. I'm fine with longer books. But uh, to me, the length shouldn't be the determining factor. The subject should determine the length or something. But is it the case that our readers are changing and and we need to adapt? um, uh, Or is that fundamental connection between writer and reader still the same?
1: It is changing because the volume of stuff that we're being presented with is is just so enormous. There was some research, I think it was 2012 it was published by some UC uh, UC San Diego researchers that showed that the average American, and I believe this was outside of work, uh, consumed the equivalent of like 34 gig worth of content on a daily basis. Now that might be audio and video and text, but if you were to translate into words, that's 100,000 words a day being thrown at you okay so now you're there you're showing up and going well okay but i want you to read my 50,000 you know right um <laughs> or 60,000 right
0: okay right
1: so i think uh it we do have to understand that people's filters are higher they are choosing shorter forms of content mm-hmm. they, i mean i think the average length of a of best selling books of the best sellers has gone down mm-hmm. um uh, so they're choosing shorter. They're choosing also content that they can multitask, like audiobooks. So mm-hmm. I can I can drive, or I can iron, or I can feed the you know walk the dog while I'm mm-hmm. listening. Mm-hmm. So this is a signal that people um, they there's a little bit of survival going on with content. So as writers, I'm not going to say anything about length or form. It should be as long as it needs to be to serve that reader. Yes. But we have to be super 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 careful about adding to the cognitive load. We want people to be engaging with our ideas and not with our extraneous convoluted wording. Mm. We need people to be engaging with, you know, the most important things. So the easier we make that consumption for them and we need to earn their attention at the same time. I mean, can you make sure that you are not saving the the gem to the end? Mm. (laughs) You know, don't um, make them curious, keep them engaged, all of these things. I think it's true that our readers have changed fundamentally. I know I have, and I have mm. to actually work to preserve my ability to sit and read deeply and not without distraction. Mm. Um, and not everyone has the privilege of doing that work.
0: And Janser, everybody. Wonderful. Thank you so much uh, for this uh, discussion. Thanks for being on Just One Question. I really appreciate your insights. Thank you.
1: Oh, thanks for having me, Nick. It's fun.